0: Well, welcome back to The Fit Chap, a podcast devoted to the fitness and well-being of prospective chaplains coming into the United States Army. I am your host, Jason Phipps, and we have kind of been off the uh, the net for a little bit, but uh, a bit of a hiatus, but it's, it's good to be back. Uh, a lot has happened since uh, we were on last, but uh, we're in the throes of phase two of Chabola class 23-002. And it is exciting as uh, ever. And uh, we had, I just kind of observed this this morning. It was, uh, I hadn't seen this since I've been here, but we had a student who phased in, just came in last night and showed up for PT this morning. And we did some pretty intense PT. We did some sprint relays and we did a lot of CD1 and CD2, which I know most of you hearing this don't know what that is some push-up setup improvement. And then we did kind of those relay sprints, like the suicides where you run from one cone to another and then run back and then run to a further one and then run back and so on and so forth. So as we were cooling down today, the student walked off and basically just threw up and we had to put him in the arm immersion tank because he was probably a little overheated. So Chibolic PT is a real thing. And if you're listening, I would encourage you not to show up here expecting to get in shape. You should be at some degree of fitness before you arrive because it will make the integration, especially if you're coming in after DCC in particular, if you're phasing back in, you know, during phases 1 or 2 or even 3 for that matter. It's good to have some fitness, so be running, push-ups, sit-ups, uh, maybe road march if you like, stuff that I've talked about in the past, but it never surprises me when we have one or two students who just have not prepared themselves to handle the physicality of some of the PT that we do. We're, we're going into uh, the weekend, and on Monday, July 3rd, we're going to be doing a four-mile release ruck. Now, four miles may not seem like a long distance, but We're allowing people to pace themselves versus marching in a formation, which is what we have traditionally done. So you will see some people who there will be evidence of their physical training during that event. And then there will be others who will struggle with that road march. And it's only four miles leading up to the six mile road march that we do towards the end of the course. So Just some stuff to keep in mind. I always like to talk about it. I always like to make students coming here aware of the requirements and just how how challenging it can be, but how rewarding it can be as as well to maintain that degree of physical fitness. Okay, so we're going to get into our show today, and we have a guest who has come back. And if you didn't figure it out from the last podcast, uh, Meredith Phipps, who is really our resident yoga therapist in many ways. She is my wife. A few people asked me that before and uh, whether or not she was my wife or not, And, and she is. So we just actually hit our 25th anniversary a few weeks ago. We renewed our vows last night, so it was very exciting to do that with you. But we have you back to talk through matters related to the nervous system. Yes,
1: nervous system is important. A side note, Just being able to renew those vows, very important to us. And also just thinking of the fitness that it took us to get there spiritually as well. So as we're talking about spiritual fitness, family fitness, emotional connection with the people that you love, it's important to keep those things up as well.
0: I would agree. And I would say if there's anything that requires having more of a holistic perspective on your life as an individual it would be marriage and i know not every student who comes here is married obviously we have catholic priests who who come here and, and others who are not married but as chaplains and those who are going out into the formation to minister to people who are struggling in their marriages or struggling in relationships period that is a critical component of your witness and your testimony and really your ministry to those individuals is to have that solid foundation with your spouse, with your kids. So cheers. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into it. The topic that we want to touch upon, and I think there's a lot of relevancy. In fact, I know there's, there's a deep degree of relevancy, and it is nervous system regulation. I'm sure if you were to look that up, you would find many different definitions of what nervous system regulation is. But before we get into our topic for today, just remind our audience of your background, your credentials. I know that you were working towards finishing your degree and you've got like a month left and you're done. So super excited about that. Yes. Uh, But yeah, tell us where you're at. and, And I know some things have changed for you career wise and professionally since you were on here last. So please give us an update.
1: Absolutely. I am finishing my master's of science in yoga therapy, which is the clinical approach. Yoga therapy is different from like a yoga instructor in that we have over a thousand hours of training in physiological and psychosocial, the biopsychosocial system, as well as different conditions, both mental and physical, so that we can use the tools of yoga, but apply them with a a Western perspective on holistic wellness. So we're really looking at the whole person, how we can help them through these conditions, whatever those conditions are, to build stability and to also build resilience through those. I've begun working recently locally with a clinic here, and I'm seeing clients one-on-one. And so I can take whatever condition they're experiencing, and that can be a life condition or an actual physical condition, And we can work in a plan of care. It's a complementary healthcare practice. So we work in a plan of care that works with their other providers to support their wellness and help. That's exactly why we're talking about nervous system regulation today and why it's so important. Your nervous system is affected when we do anything. We use it every single day. And so how do we build that resilience and how do we continue to strengthen it is very important for how well we live our lives.
0: This is just a personal question, but when you all are engaging with other... Uh, medical care providers, who exactly are you engaging with to come up with this collaboration of care, if you will?
1: That's a good question. We work with people's PCMs, with their doctors. We work with, uh, certainly with chiropractors, with physical therapists, acupuncturists. Our main concern is that we are supporting the plan of care that their providers have already laid out, and we become a part of the team as opposed to working separately from or working, certainly not working against. So my first concern is I, I know what contraindications are for certain conditions, but I always wanna check with the provider first and make sure that we're working for the benefit of the person and not working against each other. A good example of this is if somebody is working perhaps with a rheumatologist and a rheumatologist is working with a physical therapist and has sent them to physical therapy I don't want to give them something that they're already doing. I don't want to give them anything that their doctor might want to wait on for a few weeks. So I simply, with their permission, contact their provider and work in a plan of care that supports what's already there. That can include physical postures that are very similar to physical therapy. That can include breath practices that help with the nervous system like we're going to talk about today. And that can... Include some relaxation or some rest that will help support, again, the nervous system regulation, which is all what we're talking about today.
0: Yeah, that's great to hear. Uh, I know at Moncrief, where our chiropractor is located, it's a suite of different providers who are, it's not just the chiropractor. There's a PT up there. There's dry needling that takes place up there. It would be incredible if someday they were able to have like a yoga therapist. I think that again the Army is getting that the more care that we can provide that's kind of outside of your, your traditional Western care of medications and, and uh, just traditional rehabilitation is better for soldiers. So Absolutely. Yeah, so
1: yeah, it's complementary health care and it is taking uh, really the Western world by storm right now. We're recognizing that none of us can be experts in every single area. Yeah. And so I defer to the experts who are working, let's say in rheumatology or chiropractic or PT. There's a lot of crossover in PT, but there's definitely some areas that I have some expertise in one area. They have expertise in another, some, some crossover. And it's huge to be able to treat a whole person. Yeah. We need a team of people who are experts in their area. How much better to have a team of people if you think of a football team, you have each person on the team has their job, and they do it really well. You can't have the quarterback doing every single job on the
0: team. Of course. Well, let's, let's jump into it because we've got a lot to cover today, and I'm noticing as we kind of look at our notes here, we have a whiteboard up, and we've got some topics. When we talk about nervous system regulation, what exactly are we talking about, and what areas of our body is, is that regulation impacting specifically?
1: Great question. So there are multiple nervous systems in our body. We're talking the two main nervous systems that people mostly know about, our central nervous system, what runs up and down your spine. What we're talking about is the autonomic nervous system or the peripheral nervous system. The autonomic nervous system is made up of two parts, the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. And the reason this is important, we may not talk about it a lot or be aware of it on an everyday basis. But we do talk about it. We talk about fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. We talk about that response that's gotten a lot of attention in the last several years in particular. That's really what we're talking about. The autonomic nervous system in two parts has the parasympathetic nervous system. Sometimes we think of that as rest and digest. That's our nervous system that down-regulates when we activate the parasympathetic nervous system. We are allowing for digestion, for rest, for calm. And then there's the sympathetic nervous system. That's the get up and go of our system. So when we need to respond, even when you need to get up out of bed in the morning, when you need to respond to a threat, when there's an emergency, that's our sympathetic nervous system. So that's the nervous system that carries the messages that our blood pressure increases, our heartbeat increases, our breath rate increases, that's when you get the shot of adrenaline. All of those things are your sympathetic nervous system activated.
0: Which that happens pretty regularly. Every day. Within, well, I, I mean, it happens every day, but it can, of course, happen under many circumstances within the Army.
1: Yes. And we talk about the autonomic nervous system, sometimes we're not aware of it, but it actually is even on just a very typical scale, that's our heartbeat. It's a balance. It's a system of balance within our body. And so when your heart beats, that is your autonomic nervous system keeping itself in balance. It's the parasympathetic and the sympathetic working together. When you inhale, when you exhale, that's sympathetic, parasympathetic. So it's working on a daily basis, but we're going to talk about it on more of that activation basis and how that's important.
0: Let's bring this back to to the students. Think about a student who, again, so we had a student, as I mentioned earlier, just kind of his sympathetic system was probably working in overdrive. It was, it was in overdrive and he had to like take a break from that. Like his body was like, okay, I can't handle this anymore. You're kind of familiar with what we do for training and uh, you're certainly familiar with experiences within the Army that would require us to engage with our sympathetic nervous system, what might a a student coming to Chibolic encounter that would trigger his or her sympathetic nervous system in ways that maybe that student is unfamiliar with?
1: That's a great question. Let me back up just a little bit so that I can explain this in the best way possible. Our sympathetic nervous system and our parasympathetic nervous system are going to affect everything that we do, body function, mental capacity, emotional capacity. So it really is affecting the whole body. We talked about heart rate and breath rate, but it's certainly emotional. So if you think of the nervousness of coming into Chibolic as a new chaplain candidate, and perhaps you find that some things are a little more challenging than you thought, or you are nervous about failure, or you're nervous about the tests that are coming up, the challenges that are coming up, your sympathetic nervous system is going to be upregulated, which means that's going to start to fire up. Anytime your brain thinks that there is a threat or a challenge, that nervous system is going to begin to kick in.
0: Some of the students feel like written assignments can be a threat or a challenge that raises their sympathetic nervous system. Absolutely, And that's um, it's actually something worth noting because we do have students who come here who maybe they're doing online education. They're getting their seminary degree online. You kind of dictate when you take classes. There's nobody there physically to proctor exams. You have that responsibility solely upon yourself to complete that degree. And we do. We have a few students who will come, and when they're suddenly put in an environment where they have to write papers under uh, stress and with little sleep and the short suspense to complete that, and they have to turn it into somebody... And then they fail the first time, get retrained, and then they have to do it again. That is a new experience for some of these students. And I think that's a classic example of, okay, my sympathetic nervous system is on way more than I'm used to.
1: Yes. And that can affect your sleep. That can affect your rest. That can affect how you respond to other people. Mm -hmm. That can affect how clearly you're thinking or how cloudy your thinking is. Yes. Yes the sight of an SGL walking through the door or a drill sergeant walking through the door might uptick your sympathetic nervous system. And so how do you regulate the nervous system so that you can think more clearly, so that your body can function at its most optimal Mm -hmm. performance? Really, we're talking about mental, physical, and emotional. Yeah. And really, what I want people to understand is that The brain and the body are constantly communicating. It's about 80-20%. 80% of the communication between your brain and your body is coming from your body to your brain. And the brain is deciding how to respond to this intel. Some of that is going to be autopilot based on past experiences. Maybe trouble in school and now they've failed a test and all of those feelings come flooding back. What we're talking about is is how important it is to learn how to listen and notice as much of those messages as possible. I explained it to a client this way at one point. If you are out in the field and you are listening to, you have incoming intel and you are giving intel. If you are the only one talking, if you are the only one on mission or out in theater and you are giving direction, but you're not listening to the intel that's coming in from the field, the mission is going to be compromised. This is the exact same way that it works with your body. So the first thing we need to learn how to do is to be better about listening to those signals. It could even just be the nervousness in the stomach that if you nip it in the bud right there and begin working on regulating the nervous system, which we're going to give some practical advice to at the end, then you can get ahead of the overregulated sympathetic nervous system where all of a sudden the thought is clouded, you've pushed yourself to the point of a, a dangerous situation like a heat cat.
0: Heat so, cat is heat casualty, not like death casualty, but overheated body. Over-
1: overheated yes. Have
0: to ice sheet you yeah, throw you in the immersion tank, cool you down.
1: Which it this happens. summer
0: Very important right now. Oh, It is smoking hot outside.
1: So the more that we can, we talked about interoception last time a little bit. We talked about basically what that is. Proprioception is the idea that we know where we are in the room. So it keeps us from bumping into tables or into walls. Interoception is all of the messages inside your body. And that could be hunger. That can be emotional. That can be, I feel like I'm about to pass out and faint. Those messages in our body, the better we can become... At listening to those messages, we will improve our brain's reaction, which then gives us improved adaptability. So think about coming to Chabolic You are a new chaplain. Out of all of the things that you can bring with you, improved adaptability to new situations is one of those that you are going to want to build. Absolutely. You're going to come in, into contact with all kinds of new experiences. And I would say... You know, just based on what I understand as a military spouse and seeing what I've seen, when you come into whatever your assignment is going to be, you're going to be hit with constant new challenges, new experiences. And the way that our brain responds to that is to try to link it with something that we sort of know from the past, even if it's just a little bit. And without that understanding of listening and noticing, our brain will be on automatic pilot. And we will respond and react to however we responded and reacted to it in the past. So if you had a really difficult time in school and that brings up a lot of that fear or anger that comes up from how that went in the past and you do poorly on a test here and automatically all that anger is stirred up inside of you, you could take that out on somebody around you, certainly you don't want to take it out on your wonderful SGLs, but you could, and that would go badly. Or you can recognize where you are right now, what that feeling is inside, take a step back from that, take a breath. You know, we kind of joke about telling kids to count to 10 when they're angry, and we forget to do that when we're older, but it's very important just to take that break and take that space and be able to look at the situation for what it is right now so that our brain can make a better choice of how to respond.
0: We see that pretty regularly, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think what students wrestle with here is that the SGLs, as best as we can, we remain unemotional when we have to deliver bad news to a student, like, hey, I'm sorry, you didn't do this assignment properly, you have to do it again. Uh, You didn't pass your PT test, you're going to have to do it again telling students we are here to maintain a standard there's nothing that we can gain from your failure we we want you to pass but the reality is is that we must hold you to a standard so that in and of itself will be a trigger point for many students who come here who maybe they've been a pastor of a church for 10 20 years and they've just kind of done it their own way and have created their own standard they've been perhaps in a position they, where they're elevated by the elders and by their congregation. And so there is an adjustment that takes place. And we don't, as instructors and as platoon sergeants, we don't necessarily talk about the, the physiological effect of that, but it's certainly a reality that we see manifest itself every day. Sure. So.
1: And the bottom line is, When you've made a choice to come and be a chaplain, you have made a choice to step into the United States Army. Anytime we have made a choice to step into an organization like this, there's boundaries to respect, and we don't get to decide what those boundaries are. So it is important, this nervous system regulation, what we're talking about and why we're talking about it, is to go back to improving that adaptability. You have to be able to adapt to new situations and circumstances, some of which you may or may not like. So let's talk about this even in the, the physical realm, the mental realm, the emotional realm. We kind of hit on the emotional realm a little bit. And I don't want to harp on that one. The bottom line for the emotional side of this is that we're going to have emotional reactions and we need to be able to respond with character becoming an officer so that's where nervous system regulation can really help on the part of not having a hasty response to something it doesn't mean that we don't feel those things it just means that we keep some of those things in check and we be able to handle them and process them in the appropriate settings right in a mental space you are going to do hard things whether that is the academic side, for some the language side, for some the idea of ministry. My understanding is that you are teaching the chaplains who are coming in how to be ministers and staff officers, which is a dual-sided role.
0: It is, and it is an adjustment because for the most part, they've got the ministry piece down, the staff officer side, unless they are prior service company commanders and above, that's a whole new ball game for them.
1: Sure. So mental capacity of being able to have late nights, grueling physical PT sessions, dealing with the heat of South Carolina or the cold, depending on when you're coming in, and having to think clearly and function clearly would also be autonomic nervous system. And then the physical rigors, like we talked about, the student this morning, certainly the students who are going through learning how to rock, four-mile marches, six-mile marches, the physicality of pushing yourself when you can't stop.
0: I'm going to give a shout-out to Chaplain Martin. I'm just going to share his last name. Yesterday and the day before, we did two days of diagnostic ACFTs. And I'm just blown away because this chaplain who is 56 years old scored a 568 on the ACFT.
1: That's amazing.
0: That is pretty amazing. I would not have expected that from him. But talk about an example of someone who, at least in the physical realm, has learned how to to adapt to the rigors of taking a test that is mentally and physically exhausting and it's stressful. And here's someone who has managed to adapt because they've found that kind of that sweet spot, if you will, in their nervous system and, and how to regulate. But anyway, that's that's a side note. Just wanted to throw that out there to encourage all of you who are coming who think you might be too old for this game. You're not too old. But there you go. You have, for those who are younger, you have, no, you have no excuse. A 56-year-old man can come in here and score a 568, then you are without excuse. So hopefully you're saying challenge accepted. Anyway, so we've talked about – how sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous systems work. How now do we practically apply what you have shared with us on a daily basis?
1: Yes, absolutely. That's really the meat of what I want to share as well as how to regulate the nervous system. The reason we want to pay attention to those reactions is just so we can tell whether or not our sympathetic nervous system is dominant or our parasympathetic nervous system is dominant. So, Let's say that you need a little bit more get up and go. Let's say you're just dragging. Even something as simple as evening out your breath, which means you count your breath in. If you have a count of four in and you count out, you want it to be about four also. So just evening out your breath is going to immediately send the message to your brain to begin to regulate your nervous system. So if you're feeling that like I cannot get up and go, When you wake up in the morning, if you're tired, there's a simple breath practice where you're taking in three short breaths and then letting one long breath out. And then the action of taking in the three short breaths, so it's going to sound like, as you take in those deep three sips and then and let it all out. Those three short inhales, Are immediately telling your nervous system your autonomic nervous system that you need more sympathetic to get up and go so that's one way to kind of get that energy that you need it's a great thing to do if you're in class and you cannot stay awake maybe during the break and not in the middle of an SGLs lecture being able to change that breath rate will begin to send that system to your autonomic nervous system to wake up similarly When your sympathetic nervous system is dominant and you feel your heart racing, maybe you feel like you have a nervous stomach, or even when you're nauseous, extending your exhale will begin to turn on your parasympathetic nervous system. So we're all talking about balance. That's what we're talking about. When you're feeling that nervous stomach like you're going to faint or like you're going to pass out or like you're going to throw up, your sympathetic nervous system is ramping up. And so you need more parasympathetic. So you're going to exhale long, slow exhales. I know this is difficult when you're running, but just even extending the exhale by a couple of seconds will begin to give your brain and your autonomic nervous system that message. You need more parasympathetic and less sympathetic.
0: Okay, so we're talking about breathing, which I get. It's good to be more aware of how you're breathing, particularly when you're cramping up on a run. But that's a different issue. A lot of times people get cramps because they're dehydrated. But you can still obviously shift your breathing so you can work through cramps. So breathing is one. What other recommendations would you give?
1: So another good one is really if you're about to faint, you know how frequently people tell you to put your head between your knees? Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. You have something called baroreceptors really all over your body, but especially right above your heart, and they give the immediate message to your autonomic nervous system about your blood pressure. So typically when you're about to faint, it's usually because you have a sudden drop in blood pressure. When you tip yourself gently over, your blood pressure increases in your heart. And right in that baroreceptor, right above your heart, that increases suddenly a little bit of blood pressure. And it tells your autonomic nervous system that you need that little, that you've got a little boost of blood pressure. And so it responds by regulating that blood pressure. Now, a little caveat is if you're out there listening and you have high blood pressure, this is one way to reset your blood pressure, but not without talking to your doctor first. If you are on blood pressure medication that lowers your blood pressure and you begin doing a whole bunch of inversions or tipping yourself upside down, you could cause yourself to faint. So under the regulation of a yoga therapist, a physical therapist, or your doctor working to regulate that. But if you're about to pass out, making your head a little lower than your heart is a good way to reset those baroreceptors working with your autonomic nervous system to help bring a little bit of balance into that nervous system and maybe prevent yourself from passing out.
0: That's helpful information. It looks like you're you're signaling me as if you have something else to that you want to share with us. So, yes, what else what else you got for us? I
1: do. I have one more and this one is more the mental side. It's something called the four ends. It's not yoga therapy necessarily. It's been around for a while and it's actually a stress technique. So being able to regulate your nervous system is going to help you handle stress. And one of the best things you can do, it's called the four ends. It's notice, name, Nurture and need I don't come up with these names. It's just helpful So the first thing is just when you're feeling that stress just taking a second to notice Literally where you're feeling it. It might be in your heart. It might be in your gut. I know that some of that sounds Crazy, but even just noticing it and then give it a name like let it like what is this? Am I nervous about the test? Am I nervous about the pt score that I just got Nurturing really is just that. It's just recognizing and acknowledging, oh, this is about the PT test or, oh, this is about whatever it is that comes to mind. And then need is more of like a core need. So do I need more rest? Do I need some quiet? Do I need to take a breath? Something very easy. It's not like, what is the need? I need a million dollars. It's a it's a core need. So I went through those very simply but I want you to think about them if anybody has a, if anybody is a dog lover out there, if you have a dog and your dog is telling you that he needs to go out and you're busy and you're not paying attention, then the next time the dog tells you, it's probably going to be a bark or a scratch at the door. If you still ignore it, then it might be tearing something up on the couch. If you still ignore it, you're probably going to have an accident in the house, right? Our body is very similar and our nervous system is very similar. If you have stress in your life that you are ignoring, and I don't mean that you need to go unpack it all in one place, but even just the simple task of taking a quick second to notice what you're feeling, where you're feeling it, what it is, and what it's about. yeah, That prevents that buildup of stress in your mind, in your emotions, and in your body and helps you, again... Improve your adaptability to a situation, reduce your stress, and function better in
0: Chibolic. And that's what this is all about. Functioning. Excelling. Excelling. In Chibolic. Excelling. Doing your best. Going beyond your expectations. We do everything that we can to give you those opportunities. But it doesn't come without work. This is part of the work is acknowledging what is going on internally to us and not just giving up when we don't see the results that we expect right away, that it does require work in your active self, but it also requires work in your passive self when you're in your hotel room and and you make choices to watch TV versus have some quiet time or choosing to eat something good versus eat something that is going to not help you pass height and weight. So these have been some helpful things to think about. Super grateful that you were able to come back and, and uh, talk to us again. Any other parting thoughts?
1: I think my biggest parting thought about all of this is just ask yourselves as you're preparing, when you, when you react to something, ask yourself if it's really helpful or harmful yeah. to you to react. Helpful or harmful, not just to you, but to the people around you. So being able to be adaptable to situations means being able to pay attention, not only to yourself, but to those around you Yeah, able to work it out.
0: Well, good stuff. Well, again, thanks for joining us, Meredith. And thank you audience for hanging around. Love for you to join us for our next episode. We're looking to bring Chaplain Lieutenant Colonel Chris Bryan onto the show, who is our national guard total force integrator. He's, essentially our LNO for the National Guard down here at the schoolhouse. And uh, we'll be looking at spirituality and how that applies to chaplains and chaplain students. So looking forward to having him join us again. If you're listening to this show, feel free to subscribe to the podcast, leave some comments. I'd love to hear your feedback. Have a great day and we'll catch up with you later.